tonight we are in Acts 13. Acts 13. As missions pastor, this is one of those passages that I love and I just pour over and I just think about it all the time. Uh, and this is just kind of a little bit of, of uh, this passage has a piece of my heart. And we're going to talk about it tonight. But before we talk about it, let's just walk through and think about just all that we've learned so far. Can you believe that we have already walked through seven different lessons? Seven different lessons from the early church. Our first week together, we learned that God is faithful to fulfill His promises. Young adults, let's think about that. The promises that are in Scripture, all that we have for us, He is faithful to fulfill His promises. Aren't you grateful tonight that we serve a God that fulfills His promises? Our second lesson was the Holy Spirit empowers humanity to accomplish the work of God. What God calls you to, He does not leave you by yourself to accomplish it in and of your own strength, but the Holy Spirit inside of you empowers you. So when He calls you to do something that sounds crazy, but you know it's from Him. Now crazy, let me define crazy a little bit. Anything that goes against God's word, God's word is not allowed, right? <laughs> I want to be careful. So, but when he calls you to do something that's so outside of yourself, maybe talk to a stranger, maybe pay for somebody's meal, maybe go serve somewhere or do something that is totally out of character. When he calls you to do that, he doesn't make you do it on, yourself, on your own. He gives you the power to accomplish that which he calls you to. Lesson three, a God-centered community is unified. I love the unity that we have within the young adult ministry. I love to see how you mix and mingle and work with each other and talk with each other. Was there, was there some unity taking place out at um, Hillview Apartments on Saturday? It was, it was a little bit crazy, but a unified crazy, right? It was amazing to see every person in their spot. And like Andrew, if you'd seen Andrew working on this generator, like he was going to get that generator started and it just didn't. And I even tried. I was like, well, if Andrew can't get it fixed, I'm sure I can. And no, I didn't either. And so he pulled his back out. I pulled my back out and nobody got to jump on the inflatables. It's okay. But it was unity. You were working together. That's so good. Lesson four, the message that can stand trial. Ross joined us for that week and just walked through the message of the gospel and how it was bold enough and big enough to overcome all that was coming against it. Lesson five, which is a hard one to really walk through, but a bold faith will experience suffering, that we walk through this idea, are you prepared to suffer for your faith? And that suffering comes in so many shapes and forms that I can't really talk through it a lot. Go back to uh, the website, listen to it if you missed it. Um, but there's some great lessons about suffering there. Our sixth lesson that we learned from the, the early church was an encounter with God transforms. We talked about how the encounter that Paul had on the road to Damascus and how he came to faith in Christ in Damascus with the speaking of Ananias, of the gospel, it transformed him. Is there anybody in here 
tonight that would be willing to testify and just say, hey, I'm going to raise my hand. God has transformed me. Praise God. And what's awesome is He's still transforming you. Like, when you started that whole process of salvation, you started a journey called sanctification, and He's the one that has you, the, gives you the power to transform you even further into His image through the process of sanctification. Ozzy spoke to us about the gospel of the kingdom. And what we saw in that passage is how the gospel was not just for the Jews, but it was for the Gentiles. And when we say Gentiles, that means the rest of the world. There, there is nowhere that the gospel or no one that you can go to and say the gospel is not for you. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And so that brings us to our passage tonight, Acts chapter 13. Go ahead and turn to chapter Acts chapter 13. Um, and if we're working the slides, yes, hey, I got it in the right spot. We're good. Acts chapter 13, we're going to read this and we're going to talk about it just a little bit tonight. Before we do, let's just pray and ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Father God, Lord, we stand up here before you not having any ability that is of my own self. And Lord, I pray that tonight that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit and what comes out of my mouth will be your words, not my words. And Lord, I pray that as we break open this passage today that we will mine it and get all the jewels and all the nuggets of gold that are in it and may we apply them to our lives in such a way that we walked out of this place transformed because we believe that your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it can pierce us and change us. And may we walk away changed tonight for your kingdom and your glory. In your son's most precious name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananin, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while, and Saul, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John there to assist them. Five simple verses tonight. And tonight what I want you to do is I want you to help me with this text. This is going to be something that you've probably never done in a worship service before, but I'm going to ask you to get out of your seats. All right, we have 10 leaders that are going to help us break open this passage today. Everybody see the big post-it notes around the room? All right, the big post-it notes that have the words Acts 13, 1 through 5. When I say go, I need you to go find one of those big post-its and you're going to stand beside it. And you're going to have a small group session right at this post-it note. We have about seven in here, and we have three out in the hallway. And what I want you to do is I want you to walk through this passage verse by verse, and I want you to pick out anything that you can find that you think is important about the lesson that we need to learn tonight. 
And then what we're going to do is after 10 minutes, we're going to come and we're going to bring all of those post-it notes up front. We're going to put them on a board. We're going to put them on the wall and we're going to talk through it. And we're going to learn a lot from this passage tonight. See, you need to begin to understand that getting into God's word is not my job. My job is not to get into God's word to make you get into God's word. My job is to be here to talk and to say that, hey, I've studied God's word and this is what he's taught me. Some days are like that. But today, I need your help. And it's not because I haven't prepared. It's not like I woke up this morning, oh man, I forgot I'm teaching tonight and I need their help. No, this is a part of the plan. It's a part of the process. But I want you to dive into God's word and I want you to see what it means to the original audience. What can, what can we just pick out from this text? And then we're going to look at what it means for us today. Does that make sense? All right, so what this means is I need 10 groups of seven. If you walk up and you're person number eight, you're out of the group. Okay? In love. Go find new friends. It's okay. Like if somebody starts crying, maybe welcome in. But I mean, seriously, you can, you can do this. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Encourage everybody to talk. I want this to be an engaging time with each other and God's Word. It's okay. And I know this may be uncomfortable for some of you. Bear with me. It will bear fruit. Okay? All right, if you're a table, or not a table, if you're a post-it leader, <laughs> if you're a post-it leader, just find one of the tens, and that's your, your, um, your job. Y'all need to come up with a good name. So come up with a good name and then dive into this passage. Good name for your group is what I'm asking about. All right. Any questions? Break. Sensational six. Is that right? All right. Sensational seven. I love it. Six. 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 Sace is six. I'm not bilingual. I'm sorry. I got it, Joe. I got it. Thank you, sir. Wonderful. Team 11. That was creative. <laughs> you forgot your name. And we got the cool crew. Thank you, sir. Yeah. yeah. That'll work. That'll work. Beautiful. All right. All right. Here we go. Holy Spirit crew. We've got Holy Acts, No Way But Yahweh, Cool Crew, Jesus Jam, Team 11, The Scribes, and Sensational Says. Is that everybody? Oh. Smith and Nephew's coming. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. What'd y'all think? It's good, right? It's fun to get into God's Word with somebody else, to hear their thoughts. Now, what I get to do is tell you where everybody's wrong. So that's what I'm excited about. And so we're going to walk through that and figure out what's right. What, no, that's not what we're doing. All right. David, you good? Yep. Come on. Don't worry. I'll come to you. <laughs> I'll just mess with you. <laughs> Wonderful.
All right, this is fantastic. I need one more piece of board. All right, we're going to put it right here. I'll go in between. Oh, no. Joel, hush. Hold, hush. Build me something, okay, Joel? Build me something. I'll put it on the back. Oh, yeah, we can put it on the front of the music stand. We can do that. Front and center. How's this one? That's not what you thought, but we can make we can make All right, here we go. Thank you. We got it now. All right. All right. So I wanted us to walk through this because I think it's just another way to engage God's word. You can hear me preach another sermon. I get that. But this is just another way for us to kind of figure this out. So I'm going to walk through these, and then we're going to, to kind of walk through this together and just point out some of the things and some of the similarities. All right, so we've got, I'm just going to start with the scribes, and then we're going to see if this, everybody else got what the scribes got. All right, so prophets and teachers in the church. What do y'all think are some important parts of that statement right there? Prophets, teachers in the church, named people, the church of Antioch. What do we think? Im- important things. Y'all, y'all talk to me. They were knowledgeable, so we got, we got prophets and teachers. What do you think this aspect of church, you think that's going to be important for what we're working through? All right, how many people got, how many else got the word church? I didn't see a lot of them. Holy Spirit crew got it. There we go. Come on. Come on, Holy, where, no, Holy Spirit crew. Right here. No, that's a cool crew. Here we go. All right, where's the church at? Church, there we go. <laughs> All right. You got it too? All right. That's good. That's church. Prophet teachers, church. Team 11 got it? Good. Church, diversity within the church. So, okay, look at y'all in the church. Who else had church? No way but Yahweh? Physicians in... Oh, how could I miss that? It's so right there. All right. So, we, so, yes, the church, what I want you to see is what's happening in this. It says now they were in the what? In the church at Antioch. So everything that takes place from this point forward on down is happening where? In the church. In the local church. And what I love about this, it actually names the local church body. It says it's at the church of Antioch. There were prophets and teachers. And then they named some of these guys. Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Uh, I, I don't know how to say that, but I always say Mananine. Mananine, it changes every time I say it. A lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And that Saul is the Saul that we know as Paul, right? So this church, this local body of believers had... Leaders had people in the church that were there and that were part of what was happening. All right, so I want us to not miss that part. Everything that happens from verse 1 on down is an extension of the local church. We talked a little bit about this during week two when I talked about unity within community. The church is where it's at. You will, get out of tr- you will get yourself into trouble 
if you try to go out on your own and step out under out underneath the authority of your local church and try to do your own thing ministry. You have no covering when you do that. So we have to be careful that when we're looking at what happens in Acts chapter 13, it happens within the context of the local church. So we did good. Let's go back to the scribes. Listening to the Holy Spirit. All right, let's see. Who else got the Holy Spirit? We got Holy Spirit spoke. All right, Holy Spirit. No way but Yahweh. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I need a better marker. Uh, who's got a Sharpie that they can give me? Look at Thank you, Parker. Oh, my one chance, Joel. My one chance to be like you, and I missed it. Gosh. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. All right, Holy Spirit. It's not much better. All right, Holy Spirit. Where else? I'm missing it. Point two. Holy Spirit. All right, Holy Spirit. And then they have Holy Spirit in their name. All right, so we got Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Look what it says. It says, while they were worshiping to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. So that means that the Holy Spirit was talking to them. But let's go back before the Holy Spirit spoke. What are they doing? They're worshiping. When another translation, the New American Standard, says that they were ministering to the Lord. I love that picture that they were ministering to the Lord. A lot of times we come to church and we want to be ministered to, but what they were doing at the church of Antioch, they were ministering to the Lord through, uh, through fasting, right? And worshiping, right? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. In the New American Standard, it says they were ministering to the Lord through worship and fasting. So that's two ways that we can minister to the Lord. And what I want you to see here is absolutely the Holy Spirit is involved. But if you're going to put yourself in a position to hear from the Holy Spirit, you have to put yourself in a position where you're ministering to the Lord. Now, through worship, that means that you are putting Him above all things. That He is worthy of all praise. That He is worthy of worship. That He is of the utmost importance to you. And then by fasting, humbling yourself. That you are humbling yourself and walking through and saying, I'm willing to deprive myself of food so that I can in turn worship and minister to the Lord. Isn't that crazy? So when you worship, when you go to a worship service, what is your mind on? This is so important. Should be on God. Yeah, that's a great answer. It should be on God. But how many times do we get caught up? Like, because of I'm on staff, I, they assign me an area, I, ha I have to sit up in the balcony, you know, and I love it, but I'm the most distracted in the balcony because I'm like, hey, oh, they didn't come to church today. I wish they would have. Oh, there they are. And, I, you know, I just, I get so distracted. <laughs> so, like, I'm always like, I, I need to be zeroed in. And, and zeroed in means that all of my thoughts in that worship service are, are towards one. 
not who's singing on stage, not how I don't like this song, not how cold it is, but all of my thoughts are going towards God. That's what worship is. When you fast, see, fasting is not just eating. Fasting is getting rid of something, staying away from something with purpose. I can go all day and not eat a thing and never think about God. But the biblical discipline of fasting is where I'm going to say, I want nothing but more of God. I'm going to deprive myself of food. And when I would be eating physical food, I'm going to feast on spiritual food. That's the discipline of fasting. That's humbling yourself to say God is worthy of worship. He is worthy of worship. So let's, let's continue on. So, in this passage, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon and all the names. Verse 2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. The Holy Spirit spoke and set them apart for a work that he had already called them. Who did he tell, who was he commanding to set apart? He was commanding who to set apart Paul and Barnabas. The who? The church. He was, the Holy Spirit was speaking to those leaders and more that are mentioned in verse 1 and 2. He was saying, I want you as a church to set apart Paul and Barnabas, for a work that which I have called them. And we don't have this idea and this focus of, hey, we don't know what was going on in the hearts of Barnabas and Paul at this point. But it's obvious that God had called them. I really don't think that these leaders heard from the Holy Spirit and Paul and, and, and they said, the Holy Spirit says we need to call out Paul and Barnabas. And they go up to Paul and Barnabas and and they, and they say, really? God told you that? Do you, do you think that God was maybe working on Paul and Barnabas' heart as he was working on the leaders of this church heart? It's a two-way street. He's not going to move on the hearts of the leaders of a church to say, set apart this person if he's not already working in their lives. Think about that. So we talked about that first piece of this was the priority of worship. The second aspect that we need to see from this passage is this, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, a sensitivity to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And y'all all have it in here. You have this fasting and praying. That's being sensitive to the, the Holy Spirit. You need to be willing to do that. They were worshiping God. They were praying. They were sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go back to our passage. It says, while they were worshiping, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Paul, Barnabas, and Saul 
for the work to which I have called them. Set them apart. What I see out of this church of Antioch is a willingness to send their best. Paul, Saul, and Barnabas were two leaders within their church that they were willing to send out. They had a willingness to send the best of them. It's real easy to let people go that you don't really care for. It's real easy to let people go that you don't think have the skill sets that they need to help move your organization or your ministry forward. But are we willing to say, hey, you are the best of us. We need you to go because you, God is calling you to more. Isn't that amazing? All the training that Saul had. Barnabas had this, this, uh, this um, persona, this personality that he was known for being an encourager. That's what his name means. Think about it. Am I going to send the, probably the guy that's most trained in my church? If I'm going to send the one that's encouraging me the most, is it wise for me to send those out? Not in the economy of man, but in the economy of God, it makes all the sense in the world. So we've got to be willing to send the best. And that's what we see out of the church of Antioch, a willingness to send the best. He says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. How many people put that out there? That they fasted, prayed, prayed over before sent out. Prayed over, we'll call that laying on of hands, right? On this one, group of believers went to Jewish synagogues praying, called them, set them apart, sent them off by the Holy Spirit. Still people left. God prepared the work for them to do. Uh, we'll call praying. We'll, go, we'll give you all that one. It's okay. You don't have a... It's, it's okay, Jesus Jam. Oh, where? Where? Laying on of hands. Man, I thought I caught one. I thought I caught one. All right. What about no way but Yahweh? Y'all got to help me with this one. It's in the middle. It's in the middle. There it is. All right. Thank you so much. Y'all are awesome. Thank y'all for, for humoring me. I appreciate it. All right. Prayer and fasting. Verify the Holy Spirit's instruction. Last one. There it is. Good job. Sensational says, y'all got it? Holy point three, right here. All right, good job. Listening, obedience, obedience. Team 11, y'all got it on there? Support from the church. We'll, we'll call it that. That's fine. That's fine. Don't think, don't think bad. I think that's great. All right, what else? Do we have it on here? Laying on of hands. Cool crew, did y'all find it? Keywords, laying on of hands. Good job. Proud of you. All right. I know this really is not moving my message forward along. It's just fun. Okay. All right. What about Holy Spirit crew? Laying on of hands. I found it. All right. Good. Oh, I've been leaving these guys out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Y'all, y'all understand why, right? Um, 
after laying on of hands. There it is. They got it. <laughs> Good job. See, isn't this fun? All right. Now, what I need you to see from this is that there was a moment in the life of this church where, where they were being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They knew that God was calling them to send a couple of their best. And then they prayed and fasted some more, and they, they were willing to send them out. And I love this. They had a commitment to prayer. They laid their hands on Paul, on Saul and Barnabas as a physical sign to say that we as a church are behind you and will support you and we are ready to send you out. It is one thing to stand up and say, I'm going to go do this for God. And you walk out and you go do it. It is completely another to say that I'm going to go do this for God and you have a group of people to come around you and say, yes, we see that God is moving in your life. We see that God wants you to do this thing and we are going to come around you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to send you out. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that awesome? See, some of you on last Saturday, you went out and you went door to door. You were, you were knocking on doors and you were sharing your faith. What I love to see was you all gathered in this circle and y'all were praying for one another before you went out. That was that moment. You were being commissioned to go out into Hillview and knock on doors and meet people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how much better is it to know that you're not doing it alone and you have a group of people that are around you supporting you? Isn't it better? That's so amazing. That's what happens. We have to have a commitment to prayer like the church of Antioch because what they did is they prayed and not only did they pray, they really came alongside and supported Saul and Barnabas. I love it. All right, so we see that. Let's go back to our text. So being sent, uh, is the, verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They actually sent them away. I think that's important. <laughs> you know, sometimes we talk a lot about what we're supposed to do, but we never send away. We never go and do, right? And so I love this, the fact that they knew what God had called them to do. They didn't wait they wouldn't wait too long. They prayed, they fasted, they prayed some more, and they sent them out. They had to go. And then it says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. So they sent them off. But look at verse 4. Being sent out by who? The church at Antioch? The Holy Spirit. When we go, when we go, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, like, you need to know, like, in and of yourself, you don't go to Honduras, you don't go to Hillview and serve, because that's not what we do as human beings. We want to be selfish, we want to be self-absorbed, we want to do what we want to do. But what's awesome is you have a group of people that are spurring you on. Is there anybody that did Jesus Loves Memphis here last week because somebody else said that they were doing it too? Okay, we got a room full of great Christians in here. 
Uh, there's nobody that said, oh, well, since they asked me, I'm going to do it. Nobody? Okay, praise the Lord, Tanya. You got a group full of good, great. <laughs> this is awesome. But normally what happens is, is other people spur us on. Hey, will you come with me? I wasn't planning on going, but because somebody asked, they I went with them. Has that ever happened in sometime in your future, in your past? Right? Not in your future. I can't tell the future. Right? So it happens, right? You are encouraged by others. But then you when you get there and you actually go, it is not because of others, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you go. We have to need it. And what I love about this is as I see this. I see that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that we see. I think that comes back up again because they are being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Um, we see that commitment to prayer. But the fifth aspect that I want to draw out of this is, is they have what I call available goers. Who's the available goers in this passage? Who sent? Barnabas and Saul. Like, this whole scene in Acts 13 doesn't happen without available goers. It doesn't happen without Saul and Barnabas who are faithfully living out their faith in such a way that the church leaders and the congregation at Antioch said, hey, they're doing it right. Maybe God's calling them to more. And they were available. They were available. And then let's finish this off because i got to hurry. I could talk about this all night long. I love this. So being sent out by who? The Holy Spirit. They actually went. They listened to the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue, the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John there to assist him. That verse 5, I think, is important. Because we see that they actually went. They went away from Antioch to all these different places, but they did, they had a purpose. What was their purpose? To preach the word, to proclaim the word of God. Did everybody get proclaimed? I won't waste time going in circling. Did everybody get proclaimed God's word? So important. Because what's the point in being sent if you don't have a purpose for why you're being sent? You are going to proclaim the word of God. You are going so that you, because you have a message that transforms. You have a message that changes you. That's why you go. Think about it. So we see from this passage that the church of Antioch, they had a priority on worship, a sensitivity to the movement of the Holy Spirit, a willingness to send their best a commitment to prayer, available goers, and a message to proclaim. And all of this leads us to the lesson that we need to learn tonight. And this is it. I want you to write it down. Churches send missionaries. Churches send missionaries. What you have here in this passage is the first missionaries that are to be sent out of the local church. And what I love about this, and I wish we had about 28 weeks to where we could cover all of this, but over the next few chapters, you read about the missionary journeys of Paul and Barnabas. 
And they even get in a fight. We can't get into that right now. But we got to walk through that. Uh, but what happens is they journey. And get this. Every time they complete a journey, they go back home. And where do you think they go back to? The church of Antioch. Three times they make that trip. And they always end up back home at their home church. Why? Because churches send missionaries. It's not the job of the International Mission Board. They help, but it's not their job. It's not the job of Pioneer Missions. It's not the job of TEAM. It's not the job of some other sending organization. It is the job of the local church to send missionaries. But if we're going to see that happen, we just have to look at ourselves and say, do we have a priority on worship? Do we have a sensitivity to the movement of the Holy Spirit? Do we have a willingness to send our best? Do we want to send our best from young adults to be a part of planting a church near Hillview? Do we want to be a part of sending our young adults, the best of us, to go to be a missionary in some other foreign country? Are we willing to send one of our best to a struggling church down the street that needs help? What happens if we start to have that priority that we're willing to send our best? Do we have a commitment to prayer? Guys, if we don't pray, we have no power. We can talk about this all day long, but if we're not burdened to our hearts to where we're going to pray that we will send missionaries from our church, will we see them go? Do we have available goers? Raise your hand for me. Raise your hand for me. Everybody, raise your hand for me. Everybody, raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand. Why do I have to say it 14 times? You're the available goers. Now, why did it take you a whole so? Why did I have to say that 10 times? Because <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. And a hand raise is a signal to say, God, I'm available. But maybe you're not ready to raise your hand because you're not available yet. What's holding you back? And hear me as the missions pastor. My prayer is that everybody underneath the sound of my voice is called to missions and you should go tomorrow. But I know, I know that not everybody in this room is called to missions. Why do I know that? Because every time they went home from a missionary journey, where did they go? To the church at Antioch. The church was still there. If everybody was missionaries, there would be no church there for them to come back to. There is a role for the local church. Are you tracking with me? I'm sorry, I'm screaming. Sorry. I get excited about this stuff and I'm, ah, I love it. If you're here and you know that God has placed you in Memphis and you're not to go out of the country, you're not to go away, that you are right here, then plug in here and be that church that welcomes those missionaries back home, that prays for those missionaries that feel the call to go, that wants to support them through prayer, through, through finances, through whatever. Be that person here. Because we see from this passage and other passages in Acts, they went back to Antioch and Antioch welcomed them with open arms to hear about what God was doing in all the places that they were. Available goers. That's where we were. Why? Why do we need all these things? Because we have a message to proclaim. 
think about that message for just a minute. What did that message do for you? It changed your life. It changed your life. It transformed you. Why, oh why, would we not want to scream that from the mountaintops? Why? If we have a message to proclaim that can pull people out of the miry pit and set them on a rock and give them a new song in their heart, if we have that, why would we not go? And guys, I'm not saying that all of you need to go be long-term missionaries. But I am saying that if we're going to be a part of a church, a church like Antioch, we need to be willing to proclaim the message wherever God has put us. Be faithful where you're at and proclaim God's message.